This episode is sponsored by Roche, a global pioneer in pharmaceuticals and diagnostics. Roche's goal is to partner with the HCC community to provide optimal care and treatment to patients with HCC through supporting the implementation of an MDT approach. ILCA is, today, the world's leading and most important multidisciplinary society tackling liver cancer. ILCA. Hello, my name is Lorenza Rimassa. I'm Associate Professor of Medical Oncology at Humanitas University and Humanitas Research Hospital in Milan, Italy. I'm the ILCA Treasurer and member of the Executive Committee. It's my great pleasure to participate in this podcast on improving tumor board with Dr. Andrew Moon and Dr. Jakob Cather. Hello, my name is Andrew Moon. I'm a transplant hepatologist and assistant professor at the University of North Carolina in the U.S., I lead our multidisciplinary tumor board, practice clinically in our multidisciplinary HEC clinic, and have a specific research interest in the role of patient preferences and HEC treatment decisions. Hi, my name is Jakob Carter. I'm a professor of medicine and computer science at Technical University in Dresden in Germany. I lead a research team of about 25 young people who are from computer science backgrounds and medical backgrounds, and our mission is to develop new biomarkers and decision support tools for precision oncology. I practice clinically in GI and liver oncology two days a week. Thank you, Andrew and Jakob. As we will be talking about the tumor board, I would like to start clarifying why tumor boards are needed in the field of liver cancer, including hepatocellular carcinoma and cholangiocarcinoma. National and international guidelines underline the fundamental importance of the multidisciplinary approach to patients with liver cancer in consideration of the frequent concomitants of two equally important diseases, such as cancer and cirrhosis, and the variety of the therapeutic approaches to be applied during the natural history of the disease based on the stage of the tumor, liver function, and the patient's general condition. Furthermore, for patients with cholangiocarcinoma, molecular profiling is key to define systemic treatment, and at least in some countries or centers, it can be more easily requested by the liver tumor board. Therefore, for patients with liver cancer, guidelines recommend that the evaluation of a diagnostic and therapeutic process is carried out by a multidisciplinary team of experts rather than by a single physician. Let's now move on to what a tumor board looks like and why pluridisciplinarity is necessary. Tumor boards should include all healthcare professionals, not just physicians, involved in the management of patients with a specific cancer type. In liver tumor boards, hepatologists or gastroenterologists, radiologists, interventional radiologists, liver surgeons, transplant surgeons, dedicated pathologists, medical oncologists, radiation oncologists are most often involved, and that's fine. However, we must also consider nuclear medicine physicians, palliative care physicians, dietitians, nutritionists, dedicated nurses, psychologists, and social workers. And unfortunately, these uh, healthcare professionals are often missing from liver tumor boards. Indeed, the discussion of a patient with a patient with liver cancer, such as hepatocellular carcinoma and cholangiocarcinoma, should include not only the treatment decision, but all the different aspects that can impact the patient's life. This is why we need not only multidisciplinarity, but also pluridisciplinarity, not only physicians, but also nurses and other healthcare providers. Importantly, tumor boards should meet regularly, ideally weekly, to provide patients with a timely decision. Furthermore, sometimes there is a need to discuss a patient's case more than once 
based on new information or the complexity of the cases. So the frequency of the meetings is crucial. Finally, we know that patients discussing a liver tumor board have a better prognosis. This has been proven and published and may have several reasons. First, tumor boards are often held at centers of excellence where patients can receive the best treatment options. Second, clinical trials can be presented at tumor board meetings so that patients can be offered additional treatment options. Third, more comprehensive decisions can emerge from a multidisciplinary and pluridisciplinary discussion. Lorenza, I know that clinicians may struggle with determining which patients should be discussed at tumor boards since time constraints may make it difficult, if not impossible, to discuss every liver cancer cases. Are there specific situations where a tumor board discussion is particularly important? Thank you, Andrew. This is a key question. I think that the multidisciplinary discussion is particularly needed for patients with early intermediate stage HCC or locally advanced HCC or cholangiocarcinoma, who may be treated with approaches ranging from surgery or liver transplantation to systemic therapy. And this is due to the wide variability in the degree of intrahepatic spread of the tumor. If not discussed in a liver tumor board, these patients may receive a therapy based on an individual physician's experience and the treatment options available at the, at the individual center, precluding the most appropriate therapy for their disease. Indeed, the goal of a multidisciplinary approach is to improve clinical outcomes in the individual patient through an evaluation that considers the best therapeutic opportunities. Furthermore, the evaluation by tumor board allows to reduce the subjectivity, subjectivity and variability of diagnostic and therapeutic decisions and to offer all possible therapeutic options to all the patients. And ultimately, thanks to the tumor board discussion, I think that equity is likely to be increased because all patients are evaluated the same way. Next, Andrew, would you like now to speak about the role of incorporating patient preferences into tumor boards? Yes, thank you, Lorenza. Let me first start by reinforcing the well-described benefits of tumor boards. However, the fact that these tumor boards improve outcomes doesn't mean they're perfectly designed. And in particular, it can be difficult in tumor boards to accurately share the patient perspective. Typically, these discussions are skewed towards the biomedical aspects of a case at the expense of psychosocial information and patient views on treatment options. And there may be cases when patient preferences impact treatment decisions in tumor boards. First, there are situations in which multiple treatment options exist, but none are clearly superior to any other. And in these cases, the decision may be based on the patient views of comparative toxicities or other factors like cost or inconvenience. Second, there may be scenarios in which the patient wishes to prioritize factors, such as maximizing overall health-related quality of life or maintaining independence over things like survival or tumor control. And I think it's relatively easy for us as clinicians to assume that, like us, all patients want to prioritize overall survival over everything else. But some qualitative studies we've done interviewing patients has shown that many care deeply about these other factors. Third, there may be treatments such as many of the combination local, regional, and systemic therapies on the horizon that improve overall survival marginally, but come at the price of increased toxicity, inconvenience, or cost to the patient. 
And in these scenarios, patients may have perspectives and preferences on what constitutes an acceptable risk that differ from clinicians. And lastly, assessing patient preference may be helpful for eliciting interest in participating in clinical trials. I think that clinicians may assume that we're doing a good job of eliciting and presenting patient preferences. And we may even assume that patient-clinician preferences are nearly always aligned. But many studies across oncology demonstrate that first, physicians are not great evaluators of patient preferences. Second, patients state that it's important for physicians to know about preferences, but that these conversations are not always occurring. And third, even when preferences are elicited, this is not occurring in a systematic way for all patients. So the result is that tumor board recommendations may apply for the average patient, but in many cases could result in recommendations that come at odds with the specific patient's goals. And a lack of patient-centeredness may impair the team's ability to implement treatment recommendations and lead to patient distress and regret over the chosen treatment. Thank you very much. This is Jakob speaking. So, Andrew, um, how would we practically incorporate the patient voice into tumor board? Yeah, it's a really great question, Jakob. I, I don't think there's going to be a one-size-fits-all answer. In some places, including places in Germany, um, the patient's invited to attend the tumor board. And this is obviously the gold standard for patient involvement, but I don't think it's feasible in many settings due to logistical constraints. Another option is having a non-physician staff, such as cancer nurses, routinely elicit preferences and present this information at tumor boards. And this is a strategy that has been used in the UK and has been shown to foster adherence to treatment recommendations. And lastly, there are several different preference elicitation tools that can be used. So these can range from things like discrete choice experiments, which are surveys of hypothetical treatment options given to patients, or more conversational approaches, such as motivational interviewing or checklists that can be used to systematically assess patient preferences. And this preference information elicited using these methods could be summarized at tumor boards along with relevant clinical data like performance status and baseline liver function. So let's change gears slightly and have Jakob speak a bit more about the role of artificial intelligence in treatment decisions and tumor boards. Thank you so much. This is a very, very exciting topic. And what we are witnessing as medical doctors is that the amount of data we are dealing with is growing, right? And medicine is becoming more and more complex. And like 10, 15 years ago, there were only very few treatment options for liver cancer patients, but now there's many, many more, right? And we have more biomarkers, etc. So it's all becoming much more complex. And essentially, we need help to deal with this um, growing amount of data and um, the growing complexity of decisions. So we are also at a point in time where artificial intelligence, AI, is really making extreme progress. And probably you've all heard and played around with ChatGPT as one of the a contemporaneous AI models. So how can we bring this all together? Well, first of all, let me say that AI has been around for decades, but it never really worked um, for beyond like small niche applications. Since 2012, AI has made a lot of advancements and there was a big program in 2012 by the company IBM called IBM Watson, who promised to use AI for clinical decision support. But again, this did not really deliver exactly what physicians needed. 
at the same time, um, AI in niche topics has made great advancements, right? So there are now AI tools for polyp detection, colonoscopy, for prostate cancer detection and histopathology images, even for tumor detection in liver radiology, right? And these are, many of these have, have regulatory approvals, so can be used in clinical routine. Also, there are many research applications, research papers that are showing that AI can help in liver cancer management, for example, to predict immunotherapy response from histopathology slides. So these are all niche applications that are, um, some of them are approved for clinical use, some of them are waiting to be approved and will hopefully be approved. But in tumor boards, we are not really just dealing with a single niche, but it's about integrating all types of data. So is AI also able to help us with this? And I think, yes, it is, because now we are seeing in so much advancements in large language models such as ChatGPT, which are multimodal, so they can analyze images and text, and they are multi-purpose models, so they can reason about uh, medical and non-medical topics alike. So you can already now open ChatGPT and ask it medical questions, and it will give, in most many cases, a reasonable answer. But please do not use it today as medical decision support because these tools are not approved as clinical devices, right? So it's only for fun and to play around and for research tools. But I absolutely do think that we can extrapolate the current developments and that we will see clinically approved tools that are multimodal and multipurpose AI models that can help us medical doctors to integrate different types of data, including in multidisciplinary tumor boards. I don't think that multidisciplinary tumor boards will be replaced anytime soon, right? And we will not lose our jobs, but we will use these tools to increase the productivity and just to be able to cope with the increasing workload and increasing complexity. And I think that's ultimately good news for us. Thank you, Jacopo. Just w one more question. You, you very well described how probably in the future artificial intelligence will be helping us and not replacing us. But... Can you maybe explain the role of potential multimodal machine learning models in precision oncology? You briefly mentioned on that. Yes, absolutely. I do think that this is the strength of modern AI models. Um, and we are seeing some of this already in currently available large language models that can process images and text. So I, what we are seeing is a trend towards multimodal expert models that can analyze histopathology images and radiology images and electronic health records and put it all together. In the extreme case, we can call these even generalist models because they can be applied to any question. So this is still research use only, right? This is not, there is no clinically approved products based on this out there, but based on the rapid developments in the past one, two years, I think it's a very good idea if, if we as medical doctors and professional societies start to build an intuition about these tools, play around with these tools and just yeah, try to try to get a feeling for what, what are the capabilities and how could we ultimately integrate these into our... Well, it's very exciting. We're at the end of this podcast on improving tumor boards in the future. Thank you, Lorenza. Thank you, Jakob, for this great discussion. And thank you all for listening. This episode is sponsored by Roche, a global pioneer in pharmaceuticals and diagnostics. Roche's goal is to partner with the HCC community to provide optimal care and treatment to patients with HCC through supporting the implementation of an MDT approach. ILCA is, today, the world's leading and most important multidisciplinary society tackling liver cancer. ILCA.